Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley Bohens. G'day everyone, my name is Dave. And I'm Ashley. Ashley, how are you today? I'm fabulous. Dave, how are you? I am great. You are listening to the Think Orange Podcast, episode 71. And Ash, I can I just say, I love when over the last couple of weeks, I've been saying my name and you just quickly say your name in there. Yeah, finally. Like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't wait, you just say your name. Well, before I tried to, but you just kept talking. So I couldn't get my name in. Like, you just kept going. So I was like, okay. Do I have an issue? I have an issue. No, I'm not saying that. Can I be really upfront with you right now? Listeners, I just want to have a confession moment. I've said, say your name like eight times now because I'm trying to lead you somewhere. And you're just ignoring it. Well, I don't like when you try to make me sing. Like, I listen, I, it's, a, it's a spiritual <laughs> gift of mine to be able to just think of songs <laughs> in the middle of a conversation. You can't set me up because then it doesn't feel like a gift. <laughs> it, it, okay, I get I'm just trying to give the listeners what they want because let's be honest, that is what they want. Well, that might be true because I also noticed, Dave, that you've been singing a lot on your YouTube channel. And I'm just going to say, like, (laughs) folks, you heard it here first. (laughs) It's true. Why? How have you done I'm glad I could make you better. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Hey, hey, speaking of singing, I'm going to lead this somewhere. I'm hoping this is going to, I don't, who knows? Ash, it's September. This is my favorite time of the year in America. I've got to say that because y'all just, (laughs) see, I'm trying to use y'all as well. Y'all just have, so many holidays in this last quarter. Oh, you said y'all. Yo, yeah, what did you think I said? You're. <laughs> I didn't know what all you right. said. You all have such so many holidays in the last quarter of the year. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like there's Halloween, there's Labor Day, there's Thanksgiving. Like, it's just, it seems to be the holiday part of the year. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And I love that. And, you know, I was just, while I was waiting for you, because you were reading some stuff before we started recording. And I was well, sitting I in- was trying to read some <laughs> stuff, but you kept talking. So I kept looking at my phone screen, but nothing was registering. So I was, what I was reading, thanks for asking, what I was reading was... <laughs> The national holidays that you guys have, you know, you have a, there's a national day every single day in September. Like there is things like Dear Diary Day, Elephant Appreciation Day. <laughs> Dear Diary. Dear Diary Day. Well, what Nas- do you do for Elephant Appreciation Day? Like you sponsor an elephant? You appreciate an elephant. I don't post an elephant. I read these things because they're handy social media strategies. Sure. Makes a simple post. There's National Ice Cream Cone Day. Woo! You what day is that? Uh, that's September 22nd. You'd all think right. there was National Ice Cream Day, but no, just the cone. The, all the ice cream blobs out there are really upset that they don't get their own day. There's <laughs> National Snack Stick Day. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what a snack stick is. Uh, uh, National Punctuation Day. And there is National One Hit Wonder Day. Ooh, that sounds like a fun one. See, now, what day is that I one? Just, hang on. I just wanted to know exactly what was your favorite one hit wonder. I know you're, again, trying to set me up to sing, Dave, no. but I strike. I will not do it. <laughs> well, I'm trying to give the people what they want. My favorite uh, one-hit wonder is My Sharona by The Knack. I literally have no idea what that is. Oh, my gosh. Hang on. We're going to go to – got to get this adjudicated. Um, hey, uh, K-Daddy out there, uh, in, can you put your face up to the little portal? Uh, hey, hey, K-Daddy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, my Sharona, do you know the song? I don't know it completely, but I know that one little hook line. Which is? My, 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 Sharona. Something along those lines. Boom. Nailed it. See? He sang. Well, let's, <laughs> listen, that part of my brain is very developed, but it didn't catch on to the tune. What do you mean? Like, somebody help me, please. What do you mean that part of your brain is developed? Well, you know, there's like a section of your brain that processes music and remembers like lyrics. That's why it's remembered easier to remember lyrics than it is like written words. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. No, no, that's 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 accurate. Well, Did you know Jewish people they memorize scripture by singing scripture? Well, I remember when I was in elementary school and we had to memorize the preamble to the Constitution. I couldn't remember it, so I had to sing it. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice and church and message tranquility. And I can do the whole thing in song form. But this is your own you made this up. No, it's from um Schoolhouse Rock. 
and <laughs> that's what it's from. But but on a serious note, I remember like when I when my grandmother had a stroke when I was younger, she lost the ability to talk, so she oh. couldn't have a conversation. But she could like sing, so we would like sing songs, like Christmas songs she knew, and row 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 your boat. It was the only way she could communicate. Oh my was gosh, singing. that's so sweet. So apparently, but seriously, that part of my brain, I think it's the best part of my brain. <laughs> It's like a jukebox. <laughs> it totally is. The, you come out with the most random songs at times. And that's what makes you so awesome on this podcast, to bring it back to the podcast. It's so cool. I, I actually do that with my uh, social security number. What is that what it's called? Social, yes. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Oh, you I have a song for please my Please don't sing it. That no, is not appropriate okay, yeah, I know. to sing on this podcast. But it is the most, Ash, it is the most awkward thing because I'll be sitting like, you know, with a bank manager or somebody in an official capacity uh, and the last four digits of your social and I have to go and then if I you think you can guess his last four digits of his social security number I didn't just give it leave away. it in the comments <laughs> I didn't give that away then did I no I didn't give it away no that's what I go through my head and they just look at me like what are you what are you doing and I'm like I have to sing a song in order because I never had one before anyway what are we talking about on today's show well, funny you should ask, Dave, because it's on diversity, and we just had the most diverse conversation we maybe have ever had on this I, podcast. I think that was the most diverse intro we've ever had. So that's what we're talking about today. We're actually talking about building a diverse student ministry, being open to unpacking your own biases. And we have some great people who are just experts in this field, starting with Latasha Morrison. Now, Ash, I am looking at Latasha's bio that our producer gave us, and I love this first line. It says she's an abolitionist, a bridge builder, and an engager. Yeah, she actually runs an organization called Be the Bridge. Yeah. And there's actually groups that meet all over the country, actually all over the world, yeah. that are unified around the idea of racial reconciliation in the church. I absolutely. So, what, what better person to have on this show? I mean, I've sat down with her and talked about some of these things in the past, and she, she just will change your perspective. In one or two sentences. I agree with and, that. And she's going to do something on the show today that you are, I literally want you to do what she says to do as you're listening to it. Remember when she calls out the, get out your cell phone and, and go to your, I don't want to give it away, but I want you all to do it because that alone will change your perspective. She's such a great voice in this conversation. Yep. I absolutely love it. And we're also going to hear from Lana Jeffrey, who was interviewed by our good friend, Sarah Bragg and Dan Scott. They did a fantastic job of interviewing Lana, who is the family ministry pastor at Potter's House in North Dallas. That's awesome. You know, I think what's really unique about this episode is I think it's important to remember we have two interesting sides represented in this conversation. We have Latasha Morrison, who's an African-American woman who was raised predominantly in a white environment. Yeah, yeah. And then we have Lana, who is a Caucasian American who was raised in the black church. Yeah, it's so interesting. And and to hear both of their perspectives from their context, it, it's it's. Absolutely amazing. And so that's why I'm really excited about what you're going to listen to. And before we get to them, I just want to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by the Orange Tour, a 17-city nationwide tour for your entire family ministries team, including your volunteers. Yes. And if you're not yet registered... Visit orangetour.org and find out the closest city to you because it's not too late to bring your staff, bring your volunteers, and this year, even your parents because we're doing a Parent Q live event. Are you serious? The same night as the Lead Small, which is the oh, night wow. before the actual tour day. That's awesome, Ash. Now, you mentioned Lead Small. What, what is that? Yeah, you know, Lead Small Night is the night before the day of tour. There's a couple hours we set aside time dedicated to helping ministries build a lead small culture. Okay. And what we mean by that is a ministry that's built around small groups. Love it. And so we tell ministry leaders not just to bring their staff, but bring their small group leader volunteers, and we make it very affordable for teams to come. Yeah. And it helps give, basically it reinforces what every ministry leader is already saying, yeah. but it gives everybody a common language to talk about and reset their mind and remember why they're doing what they're doing and yeah. what the purpose is in the long run. Yeah, and it's super practical as well. I know that the, the tips and strategies that you guys give, you can implement like the day after if you really wanted it's to. It's so true. So how amazing would it be to have your volunteers on the same page as the church staff? You know, I think it's worth the investment because when you can get your volunteers, not just a, a, to be a fan of a lead small culture, but yeah. to be a raving yeah, yeah, yeah. fan of it, then all of a sudden, all the weight isn't on your shoulder as mm -hmm. the ministry leader. You have other people who are stepping up because they really believe in that vision. Yeah. So I think it's worth the investment. But Dave, 
something brand new this year that's yeah. really, really exciting. Tell me. Is the same time Lead Small Night is happening, there's a Parent Q live event. Yep. And what that means is it's, it's our parent strategy here at Orange. Yeah. And a lot of churches don't have time, capacity, or budget to put on an entire parent training evening. Yeah, yeah. Where we're doing that on tour where you can not, so we have Lead Small going on, you can bring your you know volunteers and your coaches. Parent Q live, you can invite the parents of all your students or your wow. children's ministry Ministry, and they can come and, and be challenged and encouraged and equipped yeah. to really be the best parent they can be to their kids. Yeah. And does that tie in with how they can partner with the church in the spiritual development of their 100%. child? 100%. I just want to go to that. Can I just say that already? Yeah, I didn't even get to tour day, <laughs> no, which no. is incredible because okay. it's all about unity and <laughs> being aligned as ministries and, and speaking with one voice, not just, you know, all the departments in the church, but the church and the parents and the partnership that happens there. And Well, it sounds like you got, there's something for everybody because I know that uh, you particularly, I know that you love the small group environment and, and teaching people how to do that better. I, as a dad, I would want to go to the parent event and just figure out how to right. be a better parent because... I mean, if you're a parent listening, don't you want to just be a better parent? This, and this is a conversation that you can't have with everybody, yet here we can go to a, a night and get trained how to do it. I'm all for that. So where can people find out more information again? Orangetour.org. Orangetour.org. I want to get you to share that with as many people as possible. Parents, volunteers, staff, whatever. Share that website, orangetour.org. Register. Uh, I'm sure we're coming to a city near you. Hey, we are going to get straight into today's content now. And as I said, I'm sure you are absolutely going to love it. And I want to give you one little teaser as well. At the end of this episode, I'm going to ask Ash to go through that whole independent song that she had because I thought that was pretty cool. It's the preamble <laughs> to the Constitution. I believe I left off where provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. Okay, don't do, that's wait. You're gonna hear the whole thing at the end of this episode. All right, I'm gonna remember where I left uh, off. <laughs> all right, take it away. And so I'm going to use some terminology, and I know sometimes for some of you, maybe even talking about um, race is uncomfortable, you know, and because we don't understand the terminology so, so that we're all on the same page, I want to make sure that uh, we do that. So I'm going to use, say the word white, okay, and I'm going to say the word black, okay, and I'm going to say that a lot. And I use the word black instead of African American because I want to be inclusive as it, as it relates to people from um, my Jamaican brothers and sisters, my Nigerian brothers and sisters, um, you know, those that were, you know, here from the States, you know, but necessarily maybe you're from Europe or something like that. So I want to be inclusive. So that's why I use that terminology. Um, the other thing is, if you're here to find out, so it says leading a, um, a leading a diverse student ministry. If you're here to find out just, just some cool trends and how to make your um, youth ministry more diverse, you're not going to get that in this session, okay? This, what I'm going to talk about, is about lifestyle. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about first is going to stem with you personally. Because you know, as it relates to discipleship, you cannot lead your students where you're not willing to go personally, and the same thing applies as it relates to your student ministry. If your life is not diverse, why do you want a diverse student ministry? And so that's the question I want you to think about now. And really think about, is this about a trend? Is this a cool thing to do? Or, you know, or, or, or is this about conviction? And so the conversation I want to have today is that leading a diverse student ministry should be about conviction and, and the why. And so we're going to walk through that. And just a little bit to tell you a little bit about me. I was that student, um, that black child, a lot of times that was in white environments. And, and so, and how difficult that can be. And so I'm going to speak from that space that I've actually lived through. I can't speak from a space that I haven't lived through. So I'm going to speak through from that perspective. And so growing up, I was a part of a Girl Scout community. And in the Girl Scout community that my mom put me in was a predominantly white community. Okay. And one of the things, now this could have been a great experience for me, 
or a not so good experience for me because of leadership. And it wasn't a great experience for me because leadership didn't understand how to deal with it. Okay, and so I grew up in this Girl Scout. So I was in the Brownies and the Girl Scouts. And I remember going in any environment. I always had I've always been an extrovert. I always made friends. And a lot of times coming into a new environment, you know, kids will self-segregate. But then eventually they kind of come together, but not in this Girl Scout. True. And so one of the things that stands out to me that I remember, I remember being in this Girl Scout community and I was the only black person for a long time. And then probably a few months, you know, maybe a year in, there was another black girl that joined. And so every time they would partner us up, they would always partner me with the other black girl. Every time. And I didn't really particularly like the other black girl. <laughs> okay? But they would always partner me with that. Failure number one from leadership perspective, okay? Then the next thing I remember, and this is stuff, th these things that you're, we're talking about that happen in youth group, these are things your kids will remember because I'm talking about things that happened to me when I was in elementary school. And so these girls, they, a lot of them lived in the same community and they also went to the same church. And I remember we had this outing. And so um, we got dropped off. My mom dropped me off at the, um, at the church and it was only me and the black girl that was standing there. None of the other students were there. And so we get on the bus. I'm thinking, like, where are we going? We get on this little bus, and then we go through this neighborhood, and all these kids come out of this house with little goodie bags and all these little celebratory things because they had a sleepover and they went to a birthday party. So we were picking them up before the Girl Scout event. So everyone was invited except for the two black girls that were on the bus. I can remember the feeling of rejection from that standpoint. And so in order to lead a diverse student ministry, you have to understand these nuances and these, these things that disconnect us. Okay, it's important because you want to create a safe environment for everyone. And although, you know, this was a great Girl Scout, it wasn't a safe environment for me because culturally the leadership didn't understand how to bring unity and how to implement diversity within this Girl Scout troop. Um, and you see this organ my organization is about racial reconciliation, which is different from diversity. And so one of the questions that you, that you will need to, to make, is it about diversity or is it about racial reconciliation? Because diversity drives re reconciliation. And so there's some things that you need to understand as it relates to um, diversity, how this starts with you. So I want you guys to kind of check out, pull out your cell phones. If you can pull out your cell phones. And I want, if you have Instagram or if you have Twitter, if you have social media, I want you to take a look at the people you follow and the friends that you have on there. And I want you to think about how many of those people look just like you. Okay. Now, those of you who have taken a, uh, taken a quick look, anybody want to share that you have some work to do? Yeah. Raise your hand high. That's all right. That's good. That's good. And this is the thing. Anytime someone tells me they're interested in this conversation or tell, tells me they're a student of this conversation, I will go to their social media and I'll start looking. Because that, that gives a, a, me a glimpse of actually um, where you are on this journey. And so it, that, believe me, it's not all about your social media, but that's a starting point. And so the, really the mission of what I do is that I want the church, the body of Christ, those of us in this room, to be a distinctive and transformative voice for racial healing, okay? And if the church is not the organization or the organism that's best equipped for that, then we're all in trouble. And how do you think we're doing? We've been complicit, right? We've been part of the problem. Not only have we been part of the problem, we started the problem. We created the problem, okay? And so when it comes to leading our diverse student ministry, 
Diversity is really about representation and who's at the table and who we've invited to the table. And I'm going to give you, at the end, I'm going to give you some practical things that you can do in order to improve that and to make sure that you're creating a safe place and that you're creating space for discussions at the end. But if you want to take it beyond diversity, it's not just about who we're inviting to the table, but who has the power at the table. You know, who's making decision at the table and who has a voice at the table. And so think about your students and at whatever context that you're in now, do your students have a voice? Now, I didn't have as a child, I did not have the vocabulary or the terminology to say, that situation not being invited to the birthday party, mm, like, that was a little, you know, that was hurtful. That was harmful to me. I didn't have the correct terminology to say that um, to her. But one of the things you have to understand, if someone would have been aware of what was taking place, and if they, you know, would have said, how do you feel about that? How did that make you feel? I probably could have articulated it that way. So are you giving your students who are not the majority in your youth groups a voice? Do they have leadership roles? Because those are key things too, okay? So we wanna just not just have a seat at the table and come to my table and be just like me and assimilate to what I'm doing in my way, but I wanna hear your thoughts. I wanna hear what makes you, you. I wanna learn more about your culture, you know? That's what we, the conversations we want to have. And so one of the foundation scriptures in, in this that I talk about is that spirit of oneness, not sameness, oneness, because there's a big difference. Because a lot of times we're comfortable with things that are sameness. If someone thinks like us, they like the same music, they vote like us, we're cool. You dress like me, you know, it's like we want, you know, like to, even if that person is a different ethnicity, they can still be of the same culture in certain sense because there's a difference. And we're going to talk about that terminology in a minute. But John 17, 21 says that they may be one just as you, the father and I are one and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So our unity our unity with one another reflects who? It reflects God, right? So it reflects God. So if we're one, if we're unified, then that's a reflection of, of the gospel. So understand the terminology. So as it relates to diversity, I just it's more about representation. Um, when I use the word, and I probably will say this in this environment, if I use the word racism, okay, and this is the one problem, a barrier that I noticed that people have. And because you have to understand this, because if you have different students that have different experiences, different lived experiences in your, um, in your youth group, the one thing that you don't want to tell someone, oh, no, baby, that wasn't racist. Because this is the thing, you don't define racism. As a person of color, I am an expert in it. I know it. I live it. I can demonstrate it. That is my story to tell. That's not, you know, and majority, that's not something for you to define, okay? And so when we're talking about racism, I'm not talking about individualistic racism or a racial slur, okay? And so that's the thing that we, we define racism as a racial slur. Racism is the misuse of power of systems and institutions along with racial prejudices. Okay, so it's systemic. So it's in institutions. So like segregation, um, mass incarceration, you know, those type of things like systemic things, um, health, you know, health issues, you know, um, systemic things that are in our systems, our religious systems, our educational system, our judicial system. Those are big overarching things, not just someone using the N word. Okay, and so because that will happen in your youth group as you bring people to as you bring different students together. So now to get a context of you guys that are in this room, how many of you are leading in a majority white context, a majority white church context? Raise your hand. Okay, 
How many of you guys in here, you're leaning in more of a multicultural or multi, okay, multicultural? Now, how many of you guys are leading in a more multi-ethnic and a multicultural context? You're like, what's the difference? Okay. <laughs> okay, because you can be multi-ethnic, but not multicultural. Okay, so, so we have a, a good variety of people that are leading in different contexts in here. So those are just a little bit of understanding the terminology. Now, the why. Someone in here, why have you chosen to lead in a diverse environment? Someone answer that. Why have you chosen to lead in a diverse environment? Or why do you want to lead in a diverse student ministry? Each, this is the thing, each tribe, the Bible speaks in tribes and nations. Uh, we have to understand that race is a social and political construct. So the Bible, when it talks about tribes and nations, it's more about ethnicity, which is different, okay? And so each ethnicity, each tribe, represents a characteristic and an expression of God that not one tribe can fully display the glory of God. It takes all people to fully display the image and the glory of God. And so that's the concept that we have to understand because that cuts out the whole superiority and how we see each other and how we see things through our culture as the norm. And so we're going to talk about the main thing and which is if you des desire diversity in your youth group, you must understand culture. You must understand the culture of your community. And so like the um, gentleman said right here, some of their multi, their sites are in rural America. That's a totally different culture than suburban America. Okay, I worked when I worked. I was on staff at an African American church here in Atlanta. It was about six thousand people, and people would come. We would get calls from like organizations like Youth Works, and said, "Hey, we want to, you know, do something at your church." No, you can come and listen because this is a suburban church. Most, most of the African-Americans in this church are highly educated. You know, the median, the socioeconomic level was like 58,000 per year in that particular church that I was in. So the concept that they were looking through is that when you're looking at African-American, predominantly African-American, oh, they must be poor. And so you have to understand the culture. So even how we approach ministry had to be different in what someone in a more uh, inner city environment. Because urban doesn't talk about, urban is not a people group. Urban is a place. And we often think of it as a people group when it's not. And so, so those are some things that we have to understand. So if you desire diversity in your youth group, you must understand culture. And you have to create safe places. And with this in mind, you have to create safe places for all your students. And I want to tell you, like, this is really important because when, when students come into your youth group, they're bringing all of themselves and probably authentically. And so I work in a predominantly white um, church now. And so in one of our sites, there's only one African-American high school student. Every time he walks in the church door, not just from students, but also from, from teachers, from adults, every time he walks into that church, and I've seen it, everybody touches his hair because he wears his hair in different styles. And after a while, let me tell you, after a while, that's not funny. After a while, it's nerve wracking. I am not a pet or a cheetah pet, a chia pet. You know what I'm saying? Just imagine if you walked in and someone just rubbed your bald head all the time. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, it's just... It's just those things, but a lot of times we think, oh, this is my friend and I can do that. But sometimes it's good to ask permission or to say, is this offensive to you? So if you witness stuff like that happening as a youth leader, as you improve your cultural IQ, be a voice for those students in your environment. You know, if someone's picking at their dialect, you know, if someone's talking about their hair, you know, if someone's talking about, you know, something like don't. Don't laugh or say it's just kids being kids. And this is what happened at my church. There was a, a visiting African-American student and some students called his hair nappy and called him ashy. And as I was talking about how wrong this was, 
to my pastor, he said, yeah, you know, our middle school students are broken. You know, students are gonna be students, kids are gonna be kids. But you create, you correct the behavior because if you don't address it and you don't correct that behavior, they'll continue to make the same decision. And what you're doing is creating a place that's not safe for students that don't look like them. Now, do you think this student, this visiting student is gonna come back to that youth group? But you said you want a diverse student ministry. You said that you want to be inclusive of all people, but we're not creating spaces for everyone to be inclusive. You know, and so especially if we're we're leading from a place of stereotypes and assumptions. And that's the thing as a youth leader, like I said, that you cannot lead where you're not willing to go. You have to deal with the assumptions that you have about different cultures. You have to deal with the assumptions that you have about different ethnicities. You need to deal with the stereotypes that you've built up in your hearts because we all have them. Because everyone in here, we have prejudice. We're not all racist, but we are prejudiced. Okay? And so you have to do, you have to be honest with yourself and say, when I see this type of student, if I see a rural student from, you know, the South, is the first thing that I think is they're ignorant and that their parents are uneducated. If that's a stereotype we have, we need to begin to dismantle those stereotypes in our own personal heart. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We are here at Orange Conference 2018, and I am Sarah Bragg, and I'm sitting here with Lana Jeffrey. Welcome to the table. Thank you. All right, we're so glad you're here. Yes, it's such an honor to be here. It's always exciting, a great time, very refreshing and fun. And tiring. So glad, yeah. <laughs> it seems like everybody's running Early on mornings, caffeine. late nights, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, tell coffee. everyone listening just a little bit about who you are. All right. So my name is, like she says, Lana Jeffrey, and I am from Frisco, Texas, from the Potter's House, North Dallas, and I am the family ministry pastor there. I always, you know, kind of say I've been raised in church my whole life, been in full-time ministry for a little over 20 years now. Wow. And yeah, that's just, I'm a church baby. <laughs> you are. I love that. Yeah. So, so 20 years. What is something that you uh, that you have learned? Now you're 20 years in that you go, man, if I had known that like 20 years ago, that would have been helpful. I think it would probably be that failure is okay. You know, that we learn from our mistakes and that we can't stress out over it or, you know, quit over it. And there's been many times that I'm like, you know, I've in the past that I'm like, I can't do this. I quit, you know, but um, the Lord honors faithfulness, even in struggle, even in challenge. And so um, I just believe for me that that would probably be something I would go back and tell my younger self yes. in ministry is that, hey, learn from your mistakes, get back up. You know, only God judges from the heart. You know, people judge from the outside. Um, but, you know, I was raised in a pastor's home. My parents have always been pastors, evangelists. We've traveled on the road. And one of the things my mom has always really instilled in our family is that um, we have to have clean hands and a pure heart. And if the Lord knows our heart is pure, even in our own mistakes, He can still use us. Gosh, that'll preach. What a good mama. <laughs> that is a good, that's, yeah, that's is. something even, I'm a, I'm a mom of girls, and I think that's such a good thing to be preaching to them. Yeah. Something I need to preach to myself. Yeah. But that's such a great thing because it is, we're, we're going to be on a path where we're going to make mistakes whether we mean to or not. Yeah. But that failure doesn't have to define us. Yeah, and then our home is our safe place yes. to go to you know um, parents need to always make sure you know that we're not so harsh in our consequences to the point that as kids we don't want to come back home when we do make mistakes yes. that needs to be the place that we're driven to yes. and so that we can go back and and you know take take in that correction but also take in that love and they can build us back up again because you know the world will constantly tear you back down but if you For come sure. from a healthy home that that is supposed to be where you go to so that you can be built yes. back up again that's good well yeah. today we're going to be talking about being open to unpacking your own bias when it comes to ministry and so what does it look like to have bias in ministry well i would definitely say that we, all, I think everyone has their own little bit of bias inside of them, and sometimes it's unconscious, and sometimes it's unaware. Sometimes it stems from generations before us, and it, it, it can look and it can look different ways. You know, 
for some people it can look very hateful and very ugly. Um, bias, they can be proud of their bias. For some people it can be unconscious and it can just be the fact that they're, they've not lent themselves to exposure enough to, to say what's it like to be on the other side of me? You know, what is it like to be on the other side of, of the tracks? What is it like to, to be raised from vers- the city versus the country? And, and, you know, bias is not necessarily always um, a racial bias. It yeah. can come in different forms. It can come in bias. Economic from, or... Yeah. yeah, social backgrounds, the, the way people were raised. We can be biased against people who weren't raised in church and be unaware of it. And we can we can turn people off just yeah. by the very fact that we're too extra churchy, you yes. know, and, and we don't seem welcoming enough. We can be biased in so many different ways. So where did, for you, where did a passion come for helping to churches and ministry leaders to move past their own bias? Um, I think probably for me, if I can be honest, um, so I'm a white girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a white girl, right? (laughs) Um, But I have been raised predominantly for the most of my life and predominantly in the in the African American church and I think that um, when you're when you're raised the way that I've been raised Although I am grateful for everything that God has given me in the gift of my family, um, I have an awareness of what is it like, you know, to be to be in a in a in a surrounding and in a group of people and in a different racial background. And I and I have um, I feel like I've been raised by the mamas in the church and the dads and the pastors and the bishops of the church. And I've been raised around a lot of a lot of people that come from different economic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like I'm the type of person that when I love you, I love you hard. I love you with my whole life. And I feel like when you hurt, I hurt. And when you've been broken, I've been broken with you. And I carry what you carry. And so because of the fact that I've not been raised in a box or in a shell, um, I've been raised to to be open and to be diverse, that the older that I've gotten, the more I see that there's a lot of people that although that it's not necessarily their heart, they've just been raised to kind of be a little bit more closed-minded mm-hmm. and a little bit more um, kind of in a shell or in a box to where they're not exposed to different types of background, different races, different economical backgrounds. And, you know, maybe because you were raised a little upper to mi- or middle to upper class versus r- recognizing what is it like for our kids that are coming to our church that live in the inner city, that don't have both parents in their homes, to, to being, you know, open to be more open to being there for people and and to not reserving yourself. Yes, you know, I think the the word exposure comes to mind. Like the fact Mm -hmm. that you've been exposed to this has allowed you to develop a sense of empathy and perspective, which those are important emotional milestones that we as humans need to reach in order to be able to even recognize the own bias that's in our own life Mm -hmm. and then to be able to see the needs of other people. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so how can someone determine, a ministry leader, and they're in their church environment, whether it's children or student, and how can they determine, you know what, I do have some biases. How can they, is it asking the right questions? Is it, what what can they do to take a step? Um, I think, I think, I I think that it's, um, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. And I think that you know, we go yearly to a doctor to have regular checkups. And a lot of us sometimes in ministry or if we're a volunteer or if we work full time in a ministry, um, you know, we get so busy uh, doing the work of the Lord <laughs> that we forget the Lord of the work. <laughs> That's good. And sometimes we don't realize that we need to just check ourselves in and have a real heart check every now and then. And I think that we need to, you know, before we even open up that dialogue with other people and have discussions with other people that we need to just check ourselves and, and ask the Lord, you know, if there's anything that is not like you in me, clean it out. And and I think regularly talking to the Lord like that and asking Him to, you know, continue to give me clean hands and a pure heart to continue to allow me to look like you and to sound like you and to represent you well. I think those regular checkups often, especially for those of us that do serve in ministry and serve the people of God, I think that that's so vital. And then I also think that it's great to come outside of your own um, surroundings and your own environment and get to know people, talk to people, ask questions, and then 
go back and just check yourself and think about those things and say, well, is that how I am? Do I come off that way? You know, do I sound like that? Do I sound a little too uppity when I'm talking to people? You know, do I sound like, um, like I'm really all into myself, me, myself, and I, you know, do I really talk about myself more than I prefer others before myself? Yeah, I loved a minute ago, you said, what is it like to be on the other side of me? And I think that's a great question to ask, go to someone who is different from you on any of those levels and ask that question to you. Yeah, I love to ask that question to our um, volunteers in our church, to our leaders that we serve Mm -hmm. with. Um, You know, I think that's, it it takes a lot of humility to do that. And oftentimes we don't humble ourselves enough to be able to kind of take in that because it might be critical. And you also can't just ask anybody that. You know, you have to be careful who you trust in your life to speak into your life and to challenge you in certain areas. And so I think that that is a it's a crucial question that as leaders, we have to have those certain people that are around us. And and we have to be able to say, hey, when I was talking to this group of people, what was it like when you were in the audience? Tell me, how did I come off and tell me, you know, how was my delivery and find, you know, find out what their answers are and then, you know, take that to the Lord and check yourself. Right. You know, I think with churches, obviously it's made up of people and people aren't perfect Mm -hmm. and people come in, like we've been saying, with their own biases that they may not even realize that they are walking in with. And I think that, especially when we're talking about children's ministry or students' ministry, you know, a lot of these children walk in um, often just the bias of their family, of the way that they have Mm -hmm. been raised. And so have, have you found it difficult to help break down some of these barriers of bias how do you do that as a ministry? You're not the parent, but how do you help break down those barriers as a ministry leader when it comes to children and students? Um, well, I would definitely say that it has been a challenge in in ministry with children. Um, I've worked with um, children and youth ministries pretty much my whole life. And regardless of a child's relationship with their parent, regardless of it, the parent still is the number one influential right. person in a child's life. And they model examples. They model behavior. Most of the time, we don't recognize that even in unconscious moments when as a mom or a dad, we're talking on the phone with somebody, our kids are listening to us. They're listening to our bias in our conversation. They're listening to our attitudes. They're listening, you know, to the comments that we make about this person or about that person. And even though that might come off as just venting, you know, they pick that up. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, being raised as a PK, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, if you hurt my parents, I am done with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am done. Like, I was like, I'm that kind of person. Like, I'll put up a wall. I'm very fiercely protective. Yes. And I have to check. I've had to check myself along the way to say, no, you know what? Even though they did that or even though they said that, um, they're still God's child. Yes. And I still have to remember them. Um, even in, <laughs> we take that even into politics. Yes. You know, when it comes to politics, even though this person might say this or feel that way, we still have to be careful, not necessarily just because of seats or offices or titles, but just the fact that we are all his children. We're all and created in his image. Absolutely. And if we see each other that way, absolutely. it should change it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that when we when we when we check ourselves with that mm-hmm. very fact, that alone can help us to begin to dissolve, unpack and dissolve some of our own biases. It doesn't mean that we always are able to just get rid of them. But it means that we maybe be able to check ourselves to respond and react. And I think, you know, it might be old school to say it, but I think love really does conquer all if you're strong enough to let it. Yes. But you have to make a conscious decision to let the love of God overpower hatred and frustration and anger and hurt. Um, We can have bias towards people in our own family that have hurt us in the past, you know. And so for for our kids and our children's ministry and our students, I think that we have to be a consistent example of the love of Christ. And I think Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we can't just come in and teach the Bible stories. Specifically, we have to, I love um, that, you know, in the leadership that we receive and the resources that we receive from Orange, it's a constant reminder that it's not just about getting a Bible story across. It's about helping our children build a relationship with their Heavenly Father. And when they really can do that from a foundation at that age, it helps them so much more in life. And and it helps us to understand that, you know, 
like like I said earlier, his love conquers all, yeah. and his love is for us all. It's not just for those who need it the most, mm-hmm. but it's for all of us. And we can't be stingy or selfish with mm-hmm. that. We have to have that, like you said earlier, compassion and empathy for yeah. each other. And I think the the it is true. The older you get, you know, the more biased we become often, and usually it's harder to to break that those biases mm-hmm. as the older you get. But when we're working with children and moving into students, the more we can, like what we talk about, like that they are made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and that they matter because of that, or God loves you because, and God made you. Those yeah. little preschool things, those are the things that start to set up so that you begin to see all people that mm-hmm. way. And as it moves through and as they grow up yeah. and as they, they I think, get older. Yeah, and I think we have the opportunity even in correction in schools because in preschools, mm-hmm. you know, these kiddos are fighting over one toy, you know, sure. and you can't, you know, you, you got to think about um, it being intentional about even in those steps, not just saying, okay, he had that first, you don't take it from him, you go to timeout, you know, but it's more so of saying, hey, let's work together. Yes. You know, let's build a bridge. Let's see if we can compromise and come to an agreement. You know, we have, we're, we're sometimes we're, we're often too prone um, in children's ministry and student ministry and as parents to jump so quickly to correction versus how can I teach in this moment? And, and then I can teach, I can correct through my teaching. How can I use this as a teachable moment to enlighten them that, you know, there's a better way to solve frustration, a better way to solve anger, a better way to solve it. And those are real legit issues. Their feelings, you know, right. their, their, their feelings are very real to them and they just don't know how to channel that as a, as a young child. And I think that's, you know, causes that bias to build over time when we don't recognize it in our children when they're young. That we just keep correcting mm-hmm. the the behavior yeah. that you stole the toy or mm-hmm. you won't share. And punishment. Yes. <laughs> punishment. Right. Shame on you. Right. you know, versus... right. How mean are you that you took that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I think one of the things I remember hearing Andy Stanley years ago, I don't even know what series it was, but he, it, the bottom line was, you know, asking the question, what does love require? Mm-hmm. And that if we began approaching our interactions with people with that question that changes things. So it's no longer like, so when it comes to like the preschooler stealing the toy, it's what does love require? If you love this person, you would want this, Mm -hmm. them to have this or you like, it it helps you reframe things and just, Oh, that was bad behavior. Um, It helps get to that root. Like, do you love that person? Mm -hmm. Why don't you love that person? Let's like keep going deeper and deeper. Yeah. So what are some, I don't know, maybe a few strategies for leaders to help break down the barriers that we've tend that that are already that we may not have even built. We may have built them, but it could just be the social barriers or cultural or economic barriers or political barriers. Are the, is there any any advice that you've you've seen that could help break down some of those? Um, I think uh, the biggest thing that has been healthy and helpful for myself and our team has absolutely been exposure uh, and realizing that it's okay sometimes as long as your bases are covered on a Sunday, whether it's one or two or three or more of you that can just um, go in and just shadow a different ministry, shadow a different area, go to a different leadership conference. And, you know, that maybe is something that typically isn't in your comfort zone, but being willing to, you know, be brave enough to have a conversation and be brave enough to go in and ask questions respectfully and be able to just say, hey, can I just shadow? Can I see what is it like to 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 be to serve in this ministry, or can I go in into this leadership conference, and or can I go into this school that is doesn't look like maybe my kids' school, but can I go in and just hang out with you guys today and just ask you a few questions? I, you know, I'm I'm trying to broaden you know my perspective on things on on life in general, and I think exposure is a huge part of that. And when we 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 do sometimes we tend to kind of take those blinders off of our eyes like the horses, you know, mm-hmm. when they have those blinders, yeah. we're kind of just getting from point A to point B. And we're like, I got to do this, you know, check this off my list, check that off my list, check this off my list. And before we know it, we've gone for months and months and months. And we've never just stopped and thought, how's my neighbor? Mm-hmm. You know, how are the people that surround my community? How is the ladies on my uh, on my kid's school as far as my teachers or PTA mm-hmm. or the front office? Have I stopped long enough to just get to know them? You know, or, you know, maybe just be kind, you know, and, and we, we get so busy busy, you know, with life and with our checklist and the things that we have to do that we, you know, that we don't take that time to just expose ourselves. I think that when it comes to ministry, I think that we have to be intentional in our marketing. 
I think that we have to be intentional in things that we post on our social media uh, platforms. I think that uh, when when we're posting. Uh, I had a conversation with a few people yesterday and I was saying, you know, let's go back and look over your p- personal post or your church's post. And, you know, if you are a church that is, let's say, an all Caucasian church or ministry right now, but your heart's desire is to, to be diverse and to look more like the kingdom of God and be welcoming, what is it that you're marketing? How are you mar- are you being intentional in your marketing with the pictures that you post? Mm-hmm. Are they all pictures of just everyone in your church and it's just all one race or it's all one, um, you know, looks like it's all one particular type of a economical background. Um, are you being over political um, in your posts? Uh, I have to, I have to, you know, sometimes just check myself because even though there might be things that I might be uh, more tend to lean on that side of, I might be pro this mm-hmm. or pro that as a leader, I have to be careful because if I'm if I am too um, blasting Mm -hmm. and too personal on your personal yeah it comes over as almost abrasiveness to the Mm -hmm. point to where if there is somebody in my church let's say that needs to come and talk to me about a particular challenge that they're having in their life well if I've been so anti this and anti that on my page do I look like I'm welcoming to have a conversation you know so I think that we have to be careful that what we're marketing represents Christ. And that's something that I think is an easy thing to forget. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking about what, a, you know, what are the pictures that I'm posting or what am mm-hmm. I saying? Because again, we're thinking only this like bubble is seeing this. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me ask, you know, thinking about the, the, the friends that you were just talking about, if, if it was an all Caucasian church wanting to be more diverse you know, what's the first step? I, I mean, besides marketing, like you got it, cause it's kind of like, well, we can market that we are this, but we actually aren't that yet. Mm-hmm. It's our, it's our desire, but we, you know, you still may walk into our church and, and, and feel alone. Mm-hmm. So what's a good first step to kind of walking towards diversity? Um, I think to me, I would say being there for your community and going outside of the four walls of the church and building relationships with people. It's a little intimidating to say. It's kind of like, for me, I would say, it's kind of like the kid that goes into the lunchroom and they have their lunch tray in their hand and they feel like they don't fit mm-hmm. anywhere. Right. And they're standing there with that awkward moment and they're like, I don't see anywhere where I belong. Um, and that can be overwhelming. It can be a bit intimidating. And I think that what we have to do is we we sometimes have to you know go outside the four walls of the church. We have to be there for the community, maybe hosting different community events, Host a church-wide picnic, but change the title to right. a community-wide picnic. Right. You know, be rethink the way that we do church, and then I also think that it's healthy to invite people from your community to your ministry outside of a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Invite them to come into the church. Um, if there are different things that are going on in your community, uh, go to some of your community leaders and and uh, whether it is the police department, whether it's the PTA, and say, hey. If we have, you know, this type of a forum or if we want to have this type of a conversation, would you all be welcome to coming to our church and letting us host that? Um, hosting different kinds of events at your church. There's, uh, I know in our community, there's different um groups that meet together that are people that work um, in a church that specifically service families with special needs. Mm -hmm. So when they have different gatherings where they're training and they're, you know, um, leaning into each other, you know, the different churches, they'll take it to different churches and go around the community and host it this month at one church or host it that month. You know, like we have to be there for our community and not just for the church, you know, Mm -hmm. that comes to us on a regular basis. We have to bust out of those walls and we have to be able to go to the community and then invite the community to us. You know, it makes me feel like churches need to really think about their why and their purpose. You know, I, I know a, a small town community that I'm familiar with and and there's a really poor area mm-hmm. that used to be a, um, a big manufacturing company was there and then they left. And so it really just became like, I mean, a food desert, all these things. And within this like couple mile radius are, I think someone told me 13 churches, mm-hmm. but none of them are doing anything for that community. Wow. And so as you're talking, I'm thinking about that community and thinking, you know, the church is getting outside their four walls. Like, who is your actual community? Like asking those questions, like, mm-hmm. you know, our actual community may not be who we're thinking we want yeah. and rethinking 
who our community is mm-hmm. and what our purpose as the church is yeah. and asking those hard questions that yeah, that's aren't that, easy to answer. That's the, what I was like, what I was saying earlier, getting, mm-hmm. we get so busy doing the works of the Lord that we think are what he wants us to do that we forget the Lord of the work and the Lord of, you know, of our, uh, the, who we serve, the Lord is for community. He's for neighbors. He's for, he's for unity. Yeah. You know, and um, the Bible says that every joint supplieth, and you know we have to realize our sh- our strength, our weaknesses, but we also have to realize, hey, where do I need strengths at, and where can I join up with someone else mm-hmm. to to gain some more strength, to gain some more wisdom, and 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 being able to just reach out yeah. and expose ourselves. Yes, yeah. that's great. Well, where can people find you and connect with what you're doing, your ministry, and who you are? Um, well, our website is gowithlegacy.com, and I love. Um, I love volunteers. That's a oh, huge passion of mine. Yes. Is I absolutely love volunteers, and I think too often we don't roll that red carpet out for them like they deserve, yes. and we're not as and we wonder why they're they're like running ragged yeah. every week and yeah. wanting to quit. And they have like so many different things going on in life and their own kids and they're rushing home from work. Half the time their kids ain't even eating dinner and they're running in to try to, mm-hmm. to f- fill a post, not just in children or student ministry, but all volunteers that serve in, in any area of the church. I um, like I know we, we often say at, at our church at the Potter's House North is that our volunteers, we call them servant leaders, but our servant leaders are the lifeblood of our church. They're the absolute lifeblood of our church. And especially when it comes to our service times, you know, there is no difference with staff versus volunteers. We are all plugging in to, to do the Father's work in His house. Yes. And we are one. And uh, I think that sometimes we have this, um, we can tend in churches to have, Tennessee to have an error, you know, between the staff and the volunteers. And I hate that divide. I absolutely hate that divide. I think that as a united front against the attack on the, on the church of the enemy as a united front we're so much better together yes. and when we drop down those those um those types of biases in the air and um we realize that you know we need each other and um the more that we can do for for our volunteers the more that we can give them resources and train them and shower them with love and you know spoil them rotten you know we spoil our our servant leaders rotten i'm like i want to come serve for you <laughs> i mean i think our probably our biggest budget is food i love it <laughs> church i mean i probably spend more food here than we got than, than anything but um we like you know like if we we work hard we eat hard that's right that's good i like that motto <laughs> But um, but we I, I love to pour into volunteers. I love to just remind them of who they are in God and why what they're doing is a part of such a bigger picture than just your classroom and that moment you have with those kids. That you know what you're inputting into them and what you're um, you know delivering to them and what you're doing for them. It goes beyond that classroom. It goes beyond that small group. It goes you know it, they take that and they carry that. You know I have two kids and I and I love. Even as a family pastor in our church, I love when our kids come back and they just tell us that they were going through this at school or they were having this challenge and they remembered something that they that they talked about in their small group. I love that because it tells me, you know what, it reminds me how valuable our small group leaders yes. are. And so I love to go into different churches and just train and love on volunteers and just um again, remind them of who they are and how important that they are in the body of Christ. Yes. And so I've done that for several years, and I and I love that opportunity to just to just do that. And, you know, sometimes it's it's good to, it's, it's kind of like the um, saying as kids, you know, sometimes I need somebody else to speak to my child because they are not listening to me, 100%, you know? hundred <laughs> percent. It's like that Charlie, that Charlie Brown voice. It's yes. like after a while, it just sounds like wah, 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 you yep. know? And so sometimes it's actually good to just have a different voice come in and to speak to your teams and to just refresh them and to just um, pray over them and love on them and to direct them or, you know, send them in the direction that, you know, that, that it is that your goals are for your ministry. And so I think sometimes a fresh voice coming in, it's important. And I know for our ministry, we love that. We often have different voices that come in and speak to our departments, to our teams. We have just all volunteer nights where every volunteer from every department in the church will come together. Uh, 
we've recently, had, well, I think it was a year ago, so we had Carrie Newhoff come in and just pour into our leadership, and he was so amazing and so refreshing. We've had so many different people that just come in, and we just kind of have it like a family night. It's like a fireside camp, yeah. you know, like where we're just all, we're going to have a family meeting, you know, and it's... um it's just that time of refreshing and that bonding together. Yes. Okay, so tell me the website again. For Go me. with legacy.com. Go with legacy.com. Yeah. Well, thank you for hanging out with thank me today. You. Dave, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, the entire time I was listening to the clip and the interview, I kept thinking about this conversation I just recently had yeah. with my ministry partner, Henok. Um, he's Ethiopian, yeah. and we run a ministry together that empowers women. Yeah. And we run. He calls me the other day, and he's like, "Ashley, I have to, I, I have to have a conversation. I need to ask you something, but I don't, I don't want to offend you." And yeah. I'm like, "Oh, good. <laughs> like these are my favorite conversations to have with him." Yeah. And, and he says to me, "Hey, so, um, so he also owns a guest house, which you'll need to know for the story." But he says, "Hey, I notice when the foreigners are staying in our guest house, they in keep- Ethiopia." Yeah, in our yeah. in Ethiopia, yeah. it's a lot of adoptive families or mission teams. Yeah. He said, I notice when the Americans stay in our guest house, they keep putting our towels on the floor in the bathroom. Oh. And I was like, That's weird. Okay. No, it's not actually weird. It's normal. <laughs> it is? Yeah. It's like kind of like a thing, like that it communicates you want your towels changed. Oh, right, right, right. I got you. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. They're not just leaving towels on the floor. They're no, actually purposefully putting them there to say, I've finished using this towel. Well, he doesn't realize that's what's happening. Right. I know that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, well, they keep putting the towels on the floor <laughs> of the bathroom. And for some reason, the women keep wiping their makeup off with our towels. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, um, well, isn't that what a towel is used for? <laughs> like, I'm confused. So we're having this conversation and I said, well, and, and in his mind, he was trying to understand why they were putting the towels on the floor yeah, yeah. and why they were wiping their makeup off because it was coming across as disrespectful. And I said, and he said, every time they wipe their makeup off with my towel, I have to throw it out oh. because we can't get it out of the towels here because they're oh. white. Uh, and so he's like, we have to keep buying towels and we have limited water supply and we cannot wash towels every day here or they won't be able to shower. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, okay. And he's like, do you think I can put a sign up in the bathroom that says, please don't put your towels on the floor. Please reuse your towels yeah, yeah. more than one day and don't wipe your makeup off with our towels. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you a hundred percent can say like, please reuse your towels. That's a normal thing that's in hotels here. Yeah. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. And I said, but instead of saying, don't put your towels on the floor, just tell them where to put the towels. Like yeah. they're trying to communicate. Cause in America, we're basically like kind of trained, put your sheets or towels in a pile and it communicates you totally. want them changed. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh. oh, and then I said about the makeup, I said, you can't really say, don't wipe your makeup off with their towels. Like that's the purpose of a towel. Why don't you just not get white towels? And he goes, well, am I allowed? And I'm like, uh. what? And he's like, well, I heard it was a standard in America that we had to have white towels. Isn't that interesting? And I said, and so we're laughing through this conversation. And I'm like, how in the world do do we think we have everything figured out when it comes to different cultures, ethnicities, race, like yeah. even biblical context? Totally. Like, we can't even get on the same page about a towel. Like, yeah, yeah. To- and which is exactly what we were talking about today, right? I mean, that that idea that we come into it with our own bias. Yeah. But but even bias feels like it's too harsh a word at times. It's just a, a preconceived idea that we come in with, like he is. Well, I have to have white towels, and but but the visitors are like, well. We want our towels refreshed. Yeah. And a simple sign would have fixed the whole thing. A wouldn't, simple sign would have fixed the whole thing. Wouldn't it be awesome if a simple sign would solve so many other reconciliation and, and diversity issues? But I Gosh. think that for both of us, it wasn't until that conversation. And that's what I was thinking about when Tasha and Lana were talking. It yeah. wasn't until we talked about it and we were willing to have the conversation that we realized, oh, okay, this is how we can navigate this situation and both people feel heard. Yes, which is totally exactly what Latasha was talking about, having that conversation stepping into that and figuring out the solution together rather than going in saying this is what I assume the solution is totally I love when she said you cannot lead your students where you're not willing to go personally Mm. and how you have to deal with assumptions you've made about other people who are different than you or other cultures that are different than you and it also ties into what Lana was saying about how failure 
is okay. You can't quit just because of failure. You have to actually step into the conversations and get past the failure so that you can have those conversations like that you just had. Right. It was it was your friend saying, I don't know what the deal is with this. We've been washing these towels and throwing out old ones. <laughs> so I'm going to have a conversation with somebody who can explain to me what culturally this means. Right. I think that is so fascinating. But I think the key thing that they both said as well, as, as well as it was true in my story, yeah. is there's a friendship there. Like Love there's it. a relationship that has trust. And like you can go to someone and ask, like it would be have been really random for him to ask some random person. He wouldn't totally. have felt comfortable doing totally. that. Totally. It all starts with relationship. And if we don't have that relationship, then we can't have the conversations. And I also love how uh, Tasha challenged us to just even look at our social media platforms. Uh, like who are we following? Yeah. And how many of the people that we're following are exactly like us, yeah. whether it's by gender, ethnicity, race, culture, in what area do we need to expand maybe who we do life with? Yeah, and that's the point I was making from Lana. If you looked at your phone at that point when Latasha told us to do that, you could feel like I failed a little bit. But no, mm -hmm. God is saying don't rest in that failure. Step out of that failure and start making those connections mm -hmm. to people who aren't the same as you. That's what I loved about today's episode. Yep, me too. Um, so if you love today's episode, we would love it if you could go and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Really simple to do. Just scroll to the bottom of your screen right now, hit the five stars, and that's it. You're done. You've given us a review and it helps us immensely. We would also love it if you subscribe to today's podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. I know people right now are wondering if I've forgotten about you singing that song. I haven't. I'm just going through the <laughs> checklist that I have to do. We also would love it if you would check out the show notes thinkorangepodcast.com and as always share this with a friend the only way that we can get these conversations out to more people is when people like you share this on social media and all that sort of stuff so please keep on doing that it helps this show out immensely now ash i have a few more lines left in me Dave. <laughs> i can see you're preparing i am She's taking a swig of water. She's gurgling. She's doing the whole thing. She's I don't warming do up. The, no, you just burst into song <laughs> everywhere. Your life is a musical. So if I had to read through the Constitution of America. Preamble. The preamble I, to the Constitution. If I was to read through the preamble to the Constitution, which I don't even know what that is. But <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be a great way for me to remember it? But in song. Well, Take, I'm just going to pick up where I left off. Oh, okay. You're picking okay. up where you left off. And at the end, this yeah. is a test. You're going to have to repeat one line to me. Okay. okay. All right. Go. Secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. <laughs> All I remembered was America. Good job. <laughs> at least you remembered bit. one word. <laughs> Clearly, that part of your brain is not... Mature. I'm going to keep working on it between now and our next episode. And in that in-between time, here's what we want you to do whenever you think next generation. Think, think Orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com. 